Hi, welcome to the Inspired Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. But before you listen to the message, we want to celebrate that we have met our match. We were granted a matching grant, and in a month and a half, we made it. So thank you, friends and family, for your generosity. We are eternally grateful. Inspired family, good morning. Glad you guys are able to come this morning and spend uh, a little bit of time with us as we worship together. Um, before I jump into the sermon, <clears throat> I think it's only right that actually the last time you guys had seen me, I was just entering a, um, a season of uh, cancer treatment. And so this was late, late last year or something like that. I was going to be gone. It was uh, really intense, like everything going into it, all the side effects. I mean, they hit you with the worst things possible that may happen, and, and they make you feel like it's certain to happen. And so we were heading into that. Um, I was stuck in the hospital for like three weeks, um, but after all of that, I'm I'm here, right? I uh, I'm on stage. I, f- I feel good. Thank you. I I feel good. Uh, getting my strength back and energy and all those things. Um, interestingly enough, while I was in there the entire time, uh, I actually did really well, and uh, I know you guys were praying for me. And if you forgot to, I still love you. Uh, <laughs> But, like, I was, like, I, I did, the, the doctors and the nurses were surprised um, how normal I was. I did get sick at the end, and it extended my stay because I had just got a cold um, from somebody from somewhere. But nonetheless, it, uh, it couldn't have gone as any better than it did. And so as, you know, they got tests and stuff coming up, but as of right now, I feel good, and I'm doing well. And so I thank God for that, and I thank you. So. <clears throat> All right, now we are in week four of the Gifted series, and since the beginning, we've been saying every single believer is gifted, and every single gift is the Holy Spirit putting himself on display in the church. The question for us is not, are we gifted? It's, how are we gifted? Do we know our gifts? And are we using them to build up the church and to glorify God? So with that, this week, we jump into our next spiritual gift, which is the shepherd teacher. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but a couple of years ago in Australia, there was a sheep named Barak. And, and he was rescued after being found abandoned. See, Barak had gone uncared for for a very, very long time. And as a result, Barak had more than 75 pounds of wool on him, which was weighing him down. Now, there was a video of his transformation on TikTok, and this is kind of a still shot of it, that went viral, had like more than 18.5 million views um, about him. And so after being rescued, sanctuary staff gave him the long overdue shearing that he badly needed. And because of all this wool, he had impaired vision. There was grit and debris pulling in the gap uh, between the cornea of his eye and his eyelid. And there was also a grass seed that was stuck that had caused an ulcer. Now, it's very common knowledge in the sheep world that sheep need a yearly shearing to keep their always growing coat of wool at bay and in control. 
And so if a sheep goes too long with adequate care from the shepherd, the overgrown wool can lead to a buildup of manure, urine, and eventually end up with infections and potentially death. So, similar to Barak, we need a shepherd to care for us and to lead us. And until our chief shepherd, Jesus, returns, he is equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit under shepherds to tend to the flock of God's people. So today we're going to lean into the spiritual gift of, shep- of the shepherd teacher and how it is used up <clears throat> to build the body of Christ. I promise I'm not tearing up. I got choking. <laughs> <coughs> So, public service announcement, we're going to jump right in. It's a little bit of a long intro. I promise I I haven't forgotten to pray. We'll get there. So, what is the shepherd teacher? See, the goal of the shepherd teacher is to reveal the glory of God in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to a people who need God's grace for their life. The primary way a shepherd teacher does this is by teaching the the word of God. To the church. So this is very important to catch. The gift of shepherding is directly linked to the gift of teaching. In other words, if anyone has the gift of shepherding, then he or she must have the gift of teaching. Here's another helpful thought. If you are sure you do not have the spiritual gift of teaching, then you can be sure God has not given you the gift of shepherding or has called you to the office of pastor. So as as we go on and you'll see that the word pastor and shepherd are going to get used interchangeably. And that's because the word pastor is derived from a Latin word that means shepherd. See, the ability to teach the scriptures is one of the many requirements of being a shepherd. It's by the teaching of the scriptures that a shepherd feeds the sheep of God. Now, although Ephesians 4.11 uses the term pastor in this one instance, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, we're discussing the gift of shepherding, not the position or title or office of pastor, but the gift. And honestly, this gift can and is utilized in many positions in the church. For example, a youth leader in our student outreach team or a kidsman teacher may both have the gift of teaching and shepherding and are responsible for teaching and caring for the students. See, the leader is overseeing their part of the flock. So in addition to being gifted teachers, Those with the gift of shepherding have great, great love and compassion for those in their care. True shepherds are with their flock in the good times and in the bad, both inside the walls of the church and outside of the walls. They genuinely care for the members of their flock, and they will sacrifice for them their time, their resources their gifting, their finances. Lastly, these gifts are both 
are given to both men and women with or without being in the office of pastor. So although their service to the body can vary, it is still impactful and very, very much needed. No one shepherd can shepherd everyone. So now that we've looked at the shepherd teacher as a whole, we're going to move on. And we're going to spend some time looking at shepherd and teacher individually. So first up, the shepherd. A person with the spiritual gift of shepherding has the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God. And he does so by nurturing, guiding, guarding, protecting, training, and caring for the needs of a group of believers so they can grow in spiritual maturity and Christ-like character. Since Jesus is our chief shepherd, those with the spiritual gift of shepherding are essentially under shepherds until Jesus returns. God gives the gift of shepherding and can put a person in a position where they function according to their God-given ability. So some may have the ability to shepherd 10, and they serve as a Sunday school um, teacher or a small group leader. And God may give someone else the ability to care for hundreds, and they utilize that gifting in the office or position of pastor. So if you ever find yourself looking for a new church, these are the qualities you would want the shepherds of that house to have. Next up, which is also one of my favorites, the teacher. See, the teacher, the spiritual gift of teaching is a God-given special ability to allow some to explain the meaning of scriptures with accuracy, simplicity, and more depth than an average teacher. And to be able to apply the scriptures in such a way that believers grow in their own understanding, are challenged, and are inspired to apply what they've learned. This is an important note. Everyone teaches, but not everyone has the spiritual gift of teaching. The gift of teaching can be used anywhere, and it is used anywhere. Church services, home groups, workshops, classrooms. There's teaching going on in kids' men right at this very moment. Coffee shops, kitchen tables, and even one-on-one discipleships. Right? Big shout-out to Sherry who operates in pastoral counseling and does this often. Again, if you ever find yourself looking for a new church, I recommend you find a place that places a high value on biblical teaching and Christ-centered teaching. And so with that very, very long introduction, let's pray before we jump in. So Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for today. We thank you that we're able to come together and sit um, at your word and take in all that you have for us. Pray that you bless, bless this message, uh, that I would be able to speak 
which you have prepared, Father. So bless this time that it would land on good soil and that you would get all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the meat of today's message focuses on three things about the shepherd teacher. Number one, the caution. Number two, the reward. And lastly, number three, the application. All right, point one, the caution. So I've broken up the caution into three parts so that we can deeply understand why this is really, really important. So, so the first subpoint, the commitment. So Titus one chapter, Titus chapter one verses six through nine, reads this: An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing. Not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who lives or loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine, and refute those who oppose it. That's a lot. But in summary, the shepherd teacher has a lifelong commitment to fortifying their personal character. Simply knowing the facts of Christian doctrine and sanctification does not qualify the leader. But it's the one who also lives in a way that reflects their trust in those very same facts. Let's be honest. Nobody wants a hypocrite for a leader, especially the leader of their church, as a leader of their family, as an employer. Why? Why wouldn't you want a hypocrite? Because the ones who don't live their life as an example are more prone to abusing their power and authority. And they bring reproach to the truth they claim. The person and their words are both disqualified because of that person's actions. How many people have walked away from Jesus or questioned God because of the life of a pastor or a teacher that doesn't match their words? Strong moral character is needed to endure and fulfill this life of service. The shepherd must be humble, hospitable, and not arrogant or full of pride. The shepherd must have self-control, not easily angered. The shepherd must be disciplined, not easily tempted by the vices of this world. The shepherd must be selfless and not be driven by personal gain. The shepherd must love and pursue holiness by he himself growing in Christ-likeness. 
And lastly, the shepherd must hold firm to the biblical truth in order to teach it and come against false teachings when they arise. And they arise often. A Spanish priest named Joseph Calazanes, I torched his name, said this. All who undertake to teach must be endowed with deep love, the greatest patience, and most of all, profound humility. They must perform their work with earnest zeal. Then through their humble prayers, the Lord will find them worthy to become fellow workers with him in the cause of truth. So back when I was in college and I really started to give God a chance in my life, I met this man and his name was Pastor Johnny. And he spent a season of my life um, shepherding and teaching me. I look back now and I realize I, I, was, I was a part of his flock for a season. And he did really well at reflecting the hearts of his chief shepherd, Jesus. See, Pastor Johnny went on to marry me and Tiana um, after we had graduated college and before we moved out of Sacramento and back home closer to family. And I'll always be grateful for uh, his commitment to being a worthy under-shepherd. See, it was, it was during this time that Pastor Johnny, as a loving shepherd, called out all kinds of things uh, in my life, in Tiana's life, individually and as a couple. <laughs> Tiana doesn't know I'm about to say this. I'm sorry. But, uh, I mean, he called stuff out like our fornication, our cohabitation. And, he, and not only did he call it out, but on the same, at the same time, he encouraged us towards holiness, yes. to a deeper relationship with Jesus. See, his point wasn't to just lash us and whip us and break us down and tell us everything we're doing wrong. Right. He wanted to expose it so that he could show us there was something much better, deeper and a relationship with Christ. And as painful as it may have been for him, because it's awkward having those conversations, um, and it was definitely awkward for us. Side note, Tiana was super new to God, um, and I remember the, the, past, the first time he said fornication to us, Tiana got offended because she felt like he cussed at her. He was like, what did you say to me? <laughs> and... Uh, it was until later that she got over it, but she was upset about it <laughs> for a while. To the point she, she let him marry us. So uh, <laughs> Pastor Johnny, like without him, who knows? With, without an under-shepherd like him, who knows where I would be, where we would be today as a family. Um, Sub-point two, the call. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, <clears throat> read this way. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples after them. See, the shepherd teacher must have the spiritual maturity to answer the call. Yeah. 
and that same spiritual maturity <clears throat> to guard their personal temptations while they watch over the flock that God has entrusted them with. Answering the call means to care, lead, protect, guide, and feed the flock. The shepherd teacher must remain focused and be aware of the threats. You know, as a parent, you can't be ignorant of the culture. You have to have a certain level of awareness in order to protect your children, right? Now, there's the obvious guards, like not letting uh, your small child go to the bathroom by him or herself or accepting things from strangers. I'm talking about the more discreet dangers. For example, when my kids were younger, they were into uh, this online game called uh, Ro Roblox. And, uh, and, they, and it, it was seemingly fine, and they enjoyed it. But come to find out, uh, there was an opportunity for online predators to either interact with them or expose them to adult content. Discreet danger. Discreet. And as our kids have gotten older and have started to interact with social media, now we have to be vigilant of catfishing, cyberbullying, adult content, dangerous challenges like the Tide Pod Challenge, where little kids literally put Tide Pods in their mouth and let them burst in their mouth. The Benadryl Challenge, where they try to take an enormous amount of Benadryl and stay awake. The chromine challenge where they inhale dangerous aerosols, all for the sake of a challenge, which, can't, which has deadly consequences. And after all that, all the videos of misinformation that sprinkle in just a little bit of truth to make it sound good. See, the shepherd teacher teaches biblical truth as a guard against false teachings and misconceptions that would otherwise lead people away from Jesus. In a lot of ways, the shepherd teacher almost acts as a parent of the flock. Martin Luther once said, for a, for a preacher must not only feed the sheep so as to instruct them on how to be good Christians, but besides this, must guard against the wolves, lest they attack the sheep and lead them astray with false doctrine and introduce error with which the devil would not find fault. See that today the culture continues to bombard us with different ideas on things that will save us or fulfill us, whether it's money, status, politics, societal justice, and as believers, we constantly, constantly have to filter these things through the truth of God's word. Believers often get caught up in this trap because they don't have a firm grasp on what's actually true. You know, prior to recent uh, advancements in technology, the best way for a banker to identify counterfeit money was to rigorously study real money 
instead of trying to study all the different fake bills that they might encounter. And the reason was because when you are intimately familiar with what's true, you can more easily know when something doesn't taste like, feel like, smell like, or look like the truth. This is the call of the shepherd teacher to embed the truths of Jesus in their hearts so that they too can identify counterfeits. The call of the shepherd teacher is shaped by the gospel's portrayal of Jesus as our chief shepherd. See, Jesus gathers and leads the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays his life down for them out of genuine love and devotion for his flock. Sub point three, the cost. James chapter three, verse one reads this way. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. This verse is sandwiched between James's instruction about the kind of faith that produces good works and his warnings about our words. Matthew 12, 36 says that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. So now consider how much more will the words of teachers be judged since they greatly influence our knowledge of God and our development of our Christian character. Those who teach are held to a higher standard than other believers because of their great influence that they have. There is potential for spiritual abuse, manipulation, exploitation, and predatory seduction, which are all common themes in cults. If teachers fall, they have the potential to take a lot of people with them. And they will be held accountable to the life they lived and the truth they taught. The more a person claims to know something, the more they are held accountable for acting accordingly, accordingly to what they say they know. And the more a person claims the authority to teach, the more accountable they will be for how they lead or mislead people. Have you ever trusted somebody who claimed to, have, to be knowledgeable or experienced about something? I have. Whether it was a self-proclaimed foodie who recommended a terrible restaurant <laughs> or a self-proclaimed traveler who recommended a terrible destination. I have specifics, but I'm not going to expose anybody this morning. What about something a little more serious? Like being taught it's okay to do that one thing as long as you're not hurting anybody else? See, Dr. Charles Stanley writes this cautionary warning. The goal of a teacher within the body of Christ must be to present Jesus Christ to others with the intent that others grow up in their faith to become more like Jesus. The purpose is not to convince others of the teacher's own intellect, 
or degree of information, but rather to convince others to accept Jesus Christ and become more mature in their Christian lives. The teachers in the room may be wondering, how do I know if I'm in danger as a teacher? Because I love you, I have a couple of thoughts. If the teacher doesn't respect the inspiration or authority of the Bible, if the teacher only desires the honor and draws students to themselves instead of Jesus, if the teacher is lazy and does not take care to prepare, if the teacher doesn't hold themselves as an example or role model of their teachings. See, let's be clear. James is not suggesting that you should avoid becoming a teacher, especially if you have a spiritual gift of teaching. It's a much-needed gift in the local church, and it shouldn't be suppressed. I'm going to be super vulnerable with you. I, uh, I debated on whether or not I was going to include this. So for a, long, for a long time, this verse has, has made me really, really nervous uh, whenever, I, whenever I found myself in teaching situations. It was so bad that I would avoid teaching just to, be, just to avoid being judged more strictly. I struggled, you know, I struggled enough just being a Christian. I didn't want the extra stress of of an even worse punishment for also being a terrible teacher. It took some time to process and really understand uh, what I was feeling. But I finally realized that James was helping me flesh out the motivations of my heart. And for me, it wasn't about attention-seeking or honor or status. And if I can be really, 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 really honest I don't even like standing in front of large crowds or having everybody look at me at one time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like being the center of attention. Um, and the reason is, here's the vulnerable part, is because I have insecurities about, you know, my <laughs> moments of hard uh, blinking or, uh, yeah, so, or excessive blinking. And so because of that, I, I try to, you know, I used to try to avoid it at all costs. But because I'm aware of God's gifting, I'm compelled to preach and teach about Jesus despite, despite, the, despite the things that uh, frustrate me and make me want to run away and just be part of the crowd. See, although the, the caution should not be taken lightly, it does not overshadow the reward of such a gift. Mm-hmm. Point two, the reward. <clears throat> so I broke up the reward in, in two parts, the present and the future. See, for the present, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse, t- verse 17 says, <coughs> the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work is preaching and teaching. 
after learning about the commitment, the call, and the cost of the shepherd teacher, it's easy to see that honor is due for those who labor to shepherd and teach and preach the good news of Jesus. It is a good thing to express gratitude to those who shepherd your Christian life, preach to your heart, and teach your mind. I don't preach often, but the amount of time it takes to prepare a 30-minute, 45-minute, an hour message that is compelling, <laughs> understanding, and Christ-honoring is a lot. And I don't say this to force gratitude. It's not my point whatsoever. But I'm just trying to highlight that there is a love and a dedication to the flock that the flock doesn't always get to see that is worthy of gratitude. These laborers are worthy of double honor. This two-sided honor is especially true for those whose primary task is pastoral. But we cannot, cannot, cannot forget those who use the gift of shepherding and teaching outside the office of pastor. There are several people here at Inspire that don't sit in the office or title or position that operate in this way. There's also some additional rewards that are experienced. Number one, an increase in knowledge. You have to study to be a good teacher. And in that discipline comes an increase. Teachers learn more because they study more. And their love for the scripture compels them to mine the text for themselves and for their students. So you may have the gift of teaching, but it still needs to be developed and trained. Number two, personal sanctification. As a teacher prepares, they grow first. They get hit first. They get sanctified first. They get exposed first. They are impacted and challenged in their personal lives before they even make it to the point of sharing it with anyone else. Number three, a closer relationship with God. There is a greater dependence on God as the shepherd teacher exercises the gift of teaching and or shepherding. Number four, the joy of discovery. There is an increase of joy as a person studies the word of God and discovers new facets, new sides to the diamond of who God is. Lastly is the, the light bulb moment. It is a great, great feeling when you see your students catch what you're trying to throw at them. And, that, and when you see them falling more and more in love with Jesus, it's a rewarding feeling. During our first year of Inspire Student Outreach, still super young, I mean, year two, we had, a, we had a Christmas party at the end of the year, two years ago now. And during that Christmas party, we played a couple of rounds of Bible Jeopardy, and all of the games or all of the questions in Bible Jeopardy were based on all the lessons that we had taught leading up to that Christmas party. And it was a great, it was a great time. But I, what I remember the most about it was Froyland coming up to me afterwards 
and mentioning how exciting it was to see that the kids knew all the answers to the questions. There was a joy in knowing that the students not only learned, but they remembered all the things about God that we talked about. Now, not only are the rewards for the present, but the shepherd teacher gets to expect a greater reward to come. The future. First Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 read, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who or lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. While a believer's salvation is guaranteed through the grace of God, future rewards are earned through faithful service. All believers will stand before Jesus and have their works tested with fire. And Jesus will reward us accordingly, according to what we have done for him. Teachers who have been faithful to proclaim the truth and demonstrate godly living will receive rewards accordingly. They will hear their master say, well done, good and faithful servant. See, the, the crown in verse 4, it's an encouragement. It's an incentive. It's a, it's a help. Look, I've never tried shepherding sheep before. I don't know what that's like. But shepherding people is no easy task. And that's something you see every, anyone or everyone wanting to do. Do you know why there are very few people that want to shepherd people? Should we do a list? I, I'm not. I won't. I won't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to, but I won't. The point is this, though. The work of a faithful shepherd, it's a willing and selfish work. Or selfless and selfish work. Excuse me. Selfless work. Driven by the desire to be obedient to God. And when that day comes, when the shepherd teacher stands before the chief shepherd, a crown of glory is deserving. Being an example to the flock includes suffering in public. I mean, how many times have I told you about my cancer story? Every time I'm up here, I have, I, I, I speak, I have to speak on it. Because you want to know and you love me and all that stuff. But the point, the point of it is, though, I am, as I walk down the hall, you know, I am suffering in public. Uh, shepherds, they go through fiery ordeals in their lives and the lives of others that they choose to walk through. Not returning evil for evil, but instead good for evil. And being attacked for their faith as they stand in the front. See, a genuine faith expects God to reward a faithful service. 
I'll say it one more time. A genuine faith expects God to reward a faithful service. Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Shepherding the flock doesn't pursue the, award, pursue the reward at the expense of others, but by the humble service to them. This crown of glory that is promised will never fade and as, is in direct contrast to every other crown that, get, that is offered to us in this world. This never-ending, never-fading, never-decaying reward is reserved for the faithful ministers and will be given by the hands of the chief shepherd a reward of grace for a faithful, finished service. The spiritual gift of shepherding and teaching are good gifts. And if you're wondering if you have one or both of them, I want to help you. Point three, the application. So here are some guiding questions. If you are wondering if you may have the spiritual gift of shepherding, I've listed five. Do you love your fellow believers? Shepherds love their sheep and are with them constantly. The gift of shepherding compels the believer to know their names, know their stories, their needs, and how God is transforming them. Do you care about the well-being of your fellow believers? Shepherds remain vigilant and on guard for the things that harm the believer's growth. Shepherds are willing to fight for them. Do you feel a sense of responsibility for the believers among you. Shepherds are entrusted with God's people and don't take it lightly. Do you enjoy spending time nurturing, guiding, teaching, and caring for your fellow believers? And lastly, number five, do you have compassion for the wandering believers in your life and feel compelled to act? On their behalf. Next are some guiding questions if you're wondering if you may have the spiritual gift of teaching. Number one, do you take joy in learning the Word of God? The best teaching arises from the hearts of someone who is passionate about what God is teaching him or her. A teacher receives special delight in uncovering facts or insights that others have either overlooked or considered insignificant? Do you love sharing biblical truth with the hope of inspiring greater obedience to Jesus and are sincerely upset when the scriptures are misused? Number three, are you motivated to find answers whenever you encounter difficult Bible questions? Number four, do you take joy in organizing your thoughts in a way it is plain and simple for others to understand? And lastly, number five, 
Do others consistently seek you out for your understanding of biblical truths? So as we close, I want to remind us of an important truth. As Christ-like as under-shepherds may become over the course of their lives, at the end of the day, they are just sheep. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 reads, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Jesus is our chief shepherd. And he is the one that laid his life down on our behalf. You see, as the ultimate act of love for his sheep, Jesus lived a sinless life we could not live. He died a sinner's death and as a, and a substitution for us to satisfy the justice of God towards sin. And secure the grace and mercy of God for those who believe in him. And on that third day, he rose from the grave, proving his authority over sin, death, hell, Satan, and demons. Jesus, the good shepherd, he alone is the way the truth and the life. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for this morning, Father. We thank you that you are the good shepherd that takes care of his flock, Father. So I pray that you would be with us, continue to guide us and lead us and shepherd us, Lord, and as we grow a greater love for you. We honor you and we love you. Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to continue to bless the ministry financially, please give at inspirechurches.com. Have a beautiful day.